Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to season three of the Real Estate Rundown. You know, today we've got uh, something that's a treat for me. I've only ever done it once before on my show, but I get the opportunity to interview and talk with a fellow Idahoan. In fact, this guy is actually more Idahoan than I am because he was born here and I wasn't. I moved here when I was eight, but I've been here the whole time. Uh, but, you know, the thing is, when you start talking about a particular state, you start talking about the roots, you start talking about how things grew up, you start talking about all the reality that becomes what your hometown is. So I have the opportunity and the privilege today to talk to somebody that knew my hometown and knew the state back when it was super small. And so with that, I want to welcome Senate Eskridge to the show. Good morning, Senate. Good morning, Shannon. Thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. So, you know, the funny thing is we were just talking before the show about how the very first job I ever did was in Twin Falls, Idaho, which is where you're from. And for those of you that don't know, Boise is the capital city. The next biggest city down the line is Twin Falls. That's about, well, with the new speed limit change, it's now about an hour and 20 minutes down the road, yep. hour and 30 minutes down the road. But, you know, Senate, you've, you've grown up here. You've been a business owner here. You've found all of your success as an Idahoan, which for a long time, people thought of Idaho as just this podunk little place, right? Right. But what has been your journey that has allowed you to go from small town Idahoan to successful business owner, to successful coach, to having over 500 doors in multifamily? I mean, what was that journey like? You know, this definitely uh, has its ups and its downs for sure. And especially, you know, being in a small town uh, like Twin Falls, Idaho, you know, you've got to really think outside the box and, and think outside of, you know, the limiting factors of this of this area. Uh, I do love Twin Falls. It's a great place. There's a lot of advantages. So when I talk about that and talk about the limiting beliefs of the people in the area, I don't want to sound like I'm talking bad about it because I really do love it here. But I... I grew up always wanting to be an entrepreneur, always focused on the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, I told a story recently where I was I was the kid that was selling things out of their locker in in grade school. You know, like I've always known that uh, if I wanted to achieve my goals, I had to blaze my own journey, my own path on my journey. Right. Right. And, and that's really what I always strive to do. Now, now, I've had just to be clear, though, the things you were selling out of your locker were totally legal, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, uh, they were totally legal, um, but they weren't without controversy. Right. Uh, right. I actually got suspended from uh, school in the fourth grade. I was selling condoms. <laughs> well, uh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, perfectly legal to have, but the principal didn't think that it was appropriate. So I got in trouble for that. Um, My, how things have changed, haven't they? 
Yeah. Yeah. Funny story. Uh, I actually got those for free from the health district. Right. So infinite rate of return. I went to the health exactly. district, got them, and then started selling them. Right. So yeah. I've always know been your interested. Niche, know your market. Probably a couple years early, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I sold them to a lot of older kids. Right. Because I, <laughs> I was the kid that wasn't shy. I could walk in there and get them and I wasn't right. afraid to do it. Right. right. There you go. Um, there you some go. of these other kids that were, uh, a little bit more embarrassed and that kind of sure, stuff. So sure. that's an example of the types of things that I had to do to, to really, to blaze that journey. And I, and I moved on into other types of entrepreneurialism. I've done a little bit of the network marketing and that kind of stuff, but that was really not my thing either because I really wanted to be able to design my own path, as I just mentioned. Right. Yeah. Uh, I've been an employee a couple of times. Uh, I'm a horrible employee. Right. So just for the record, right. Like I, uh, um, never, never loved having a strict schedule or specific rules I had to follow or anything like that. Uh, so when I found real estate, it was like a perfect fit for me because I can work on the properties I want to work on. I can do them the way I want to do them. I can blaze my own, my own trail as, as, as I've said now three or four times, right. I just, uh, absolutely love real estate in every aspect. Well, and you know, you got me beat. I, I, I gave up on trying to be an employee after high school, right? I had to get my summer job, but after that, I, I, I wasn't down for that. But, you know, you, you're so correct. And, and there's so much that people want to understand about being an entrepreneur, right? But there's so little out there for walking alongside an entrepreneur. You know, there's really not a place for you to go, okay, wait a minute. What was that? How did that work? What am I doing here? Why am I supposed to be doing this? What's next? There, there's really, I mean, there's books, right? But there's not really this, hey, come here. Let's do this together. Let me show you how to do it. Except real estate syndication really kind of has that inner work and that framework to it, if that's what you're looking for. And, and you've used that because you've actually become a coach with Jake and Gino because you found the value in that, I'm assuming, and then and then now became the coach that shows, hey, this is how I did what I what I was shown to do. What was that process like for you? I mean, you know, you found single family and then you've you've elevated that game, you've got some coaching, now you're a coach. What was that like? Yeah, so the it was a struggle becoming a real estate investor in the very beginning. I I made a lot of mistakes. You know, if you if you ever meet someone in business that says they never screwed up, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't do a deal with them, right? No. So no. I I got into single family back when it was really hard, two thousand and nine, and and I screwed up a lot. Um, yeah. I've had I've had small lessons and and, and big lessons and. You know, thankfully to this point, I've never had a lesson that involved someone else's money. All of my mistakes were always on my own dime. Right. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I struggled all the way through. And of course, as you mentioned, I read some books, spent a lot of time on bigger pockets. Uh, I read every book I could possibly find. But and I finally scraped and and scrounged to build this big portfolio of single family houses. And I ran out of I ran out of time. I ran out of money, and I ran out of resources. Right, specifically lending. There's a lot of struggles if you have several single-family loans, right? A lot of regulations. And so I had to do something different. So I decided to buy multifamily uh, after lots of research and, and looking at self-storage and, and triple net. I, 
I like all those things and they're, they're great assets for the right operator. But for me, apartments made the most sense. So I decided I'm going to buy one of these. What do I do? I actually called my uh, residential realtor. I, I found this property on LoopNet and I called my residential realtor and I said, hey, I want to buy this $10 million apartment building. Will you put an offer in on it for me? And she said, well, I've never done a deal that big, but we can learn together. And uh, so my residential realtor used the single family residential uh, offering template, right? To mm -hmm. submit an offer for a $10 million apartment building. We basically got laughed off the off the computer screen, right? Because that's not how that's not how the business works. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> so uh, when I when I got that rejection email, uh, basically was call me when you're a grown up is what he said, basically. Well, well he was really gentle, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. So I, I had to do something different. Right. And that's the reason I found mentorship yeah. and I found Jake and Gino. And I, I dove full on into this mentorship uh, ecosystem and I learned and they helped me so much that I felt obligated to pay it forward and help other people. And uh, so that's the reason I became a coach was because these people, they, they held my hand, they helped me, they helped me come along. And now what they asked for me was now go and help somebody else. Right. And that plays right into, I really believe in the go giver concept the more I give to the universe, the more I get, right? Yeah. So, You know, and it's funny because my upbringing, you know, I've been in construction and development my whole life. I mean, I'm, I'm second generation in that. And I've just never seen where there's camaraderie, where there's participation, where there's, you know, this attitude of, hey, we can do it together, you know, in development. I mean, you never, you, you, you never tell anybody what you've got under contract or what's coming or what you're going to do. Because it's just a different game. When I got involved in multifamily real estate on the syndication side, I'd already developed several large multifamily projects. I just had not gotten into the capital raise part. Then I start getting around this environment. And you can imagine how foreign it was to me, just like your, you know, instead of writing an LOI, you put it on a, on a probably an RE23 uh, and, and you submitted that where, you know, I came into this whole thing and I see these people trying to mentor each other. I'm immediately suspect, right? I'm immediately like, what are these guys? They're trying to, they're trying to, they're trying to steal my deal. Right. But seeing how that's this, this opportunity in syndication really can be a team sport and should be because you've got people with different skill sets. You've got people at different levels of the game. You've got people that are able to do more, some of them are able to do less, but you're all looking at the common goal and raising everybody up. So if everybody's on a, on a, on a set of stairs, everybody goes up one step with the deal. Everybody goes up one step with the next deal. At the end of the day, you've got an amazing group and a network of people that can take down way bigger deals than $10 million deals now. And that came from that giving forward mentality. And, you know, so for me coming out of this 28 years into my business life, I was just like, you bunch of weirdos, man. I mean, it was, it was, it was a trip, but I've, I've really learned to embrace that and, and to be part of a tribe and to learn from other people where, you know, my skill set may have been a little lacking in the fundraising department. You know, the rest of it I've been doing for years, but the fundraising department was always a different kind of a thing for me, you know? 
But let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's going on in the world right now, because you're you're involved in mentoring other people. I'm sure you're having people come to you and go, hey, you know, is is real estate still a good thing to get into? How do you know? Where are we going? Isn't this just like 08, right? And you're starting to get that. You're plugged into Jake and Gino. You're plugged into the guys who've been doing this for a long time. So you've got a downstream uh, uh connection of, of information and, and, and insight that, you know, is pretty high level. And you're able to pass that on to people. What are you saying to people right now when they say, is now a good time to get into real estate and is syndication still a thing? So you're, you're absolutely right. I, I get, I get a lot of information from a lot of different areas, right. And being a coach and I have people in multiple different markets, right. So I get to see things from the West coast, the East coast, central areas, these people are bringing me deals and asking me my opinions on them. So I get to see that. And, and I want to answer your question from two different angles, right? So the first one is as, an, as a buyer, an operator. But then also I want to follow up and come back as an investor and ask those questions as how to, whether it's a good time to invest as a passive investor. Because they're they're really two different things. Even though, even though at the same time, you the, the concept is the same, but they're, they're different, right? So... I would say today, now, in my opinion, is the best time to buy. I, I honestly believe it's better now to buy multifamily than it was a year ago or even two years ago. And that sounds counterintuitive, right? Because people talk about what the interest rates have been doing and you know all this stuff keeps climbing and the Fed's trying to fight inflation and things like that. Well, someone else said one time, uh, you know, you marry the property but you date the rate. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, really, really what that means is I, I don't really care what the interest rate is. If the property works at 8%, yep. it'll work when the rates come back down. And yeah. it will, as long as you're doing a certain kind of debt, it will work long-term with where you're at. Yep. And you can let nature take its course on inflation, helping you out with your with your rents, right? Exactly. So that, that's what's really important is making sure that you understand the type of debt that you're getting yep. into. You understand that the property can make money as is, right? and the debt's not going to change later, right? So there's a lot of people that have gotten in trouble recently with, with floating rate or bridge yep. debt that's going to have yep. a really short term. Yep. You know, I'm doing, I'm doing a deal right now in Idaho that I've got a five-year locked rate with a local credit union. And it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, this thing is locked for five years, but I always said, what's going to happen at the end of that five years? Right. right. Five years, pretty long time. Right. Okay. But I need to know what, what my exit strategy is at the end of that five years. Yep. Uh, so I've talked to some people that bring me deals and they're looking at, you know, 18 months or two years. Right. And quite frankly, I don't care how good the deal is. If you have to sell the property in two years, I'd be pretty scared. Yeah. Well, and you know, that's the funny thing too, because as we've seen in the last 30 months, it hasn't really been a, a real market, right? I mean, it's been an overheated market. You know, I heard somebody tell me the other day, would you rather spend uh, overpay for something by 4%, 5%, 10%, which was our market a year ago? and mm -hmm. get a 2% interest rate or be the only bidder or one of two had time to do due diligence weren't putting up hard money day 1 right how many people how many people 
how many deals did you see where it was a million dollars non-refundable day one? Oh yeah, a lot, all the time. I mean, I couldn't stomach doing that. I didn't do any deals like that because I just couldn't put my my mindset there to go, this is, I'm losing a million bucks if I walk away from this deal, no questions asked. This can't be that good, right? Yeah. And some people got through that. I, I I get that. But, you know, when you're looking at how you pull this together, you're you're so correct because if it'll cash flow today, it'll cash flow in three years, right? But where people were looking at it going, holy crap, we got a we got a 30% IRR in, you know, two and a half years, right? Congratulations, right? Yeah. Congratulations. Everybody had that opportunity in the last two years to do that. Now, where what are you going to be able to do, right? Now, how are you underwriting that? And that brings me back. You were going to answer that question from the other side of the coin too. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for circling back to that. So as a limited partner, right, is this a good time to invest into syndications in general, uh, private placements, but multifamily specifically? I again, I want to repeat the answer is yes, because if you have an operator that you trust, that they're underwriting, you have vetted, that you've done your due diligence on them, and that property makes money today, in today's difficult environment, what's it going to be like when the market turns around in five years? Right, uh, right. Chances are, it, as, long as, as long as they're not pencil whipping the deal, right? Because that does happen, right? But if you have a good solid operator that you've done your due diligence on and you're getting, I don't know, call it 8%. Yeah. My crystal ball, my crystal ball, which I admit it's got a big crack in it, right? Yeah. My crystal ball says that's not really going to be 8%. It's right. going to be more like 10 or 12. Right. And, and there's that opportunity, right? But the good news is if it's 8%, you have room for things to go wrong before you're stepping into a capital call situation, right? Yeah. And we're hearing those rumors through all over that people are having issues with that capital calls, right? So when you talk about analyzing the deals, let's let's get into that a little bit more because there's there's so much that goes into analyzing a deal, but there's really some basic basic components, right? So if you're analyzing a deal, obviously your journey uh may be a little bit different than a lot of people. Most people uh they they maybe buy three or four or five single family homes, realize that that's too much to manage themselves. All they did was buy themselves a job that took their nights and their weekends. So then they sell those and they become an LP, a limited partner with somebody who with a lot of experience and they just sit on the sidelines and watch. And they do that three or four times until they feel comfortable to then jump into the pool at some point. Doesn't sound like you did that. You went from a fairly large portfolio of single family to, well, if I can do single family, I can do multifamily. Yeah. And you're still alive. So the answer is yes. But yes. but the reality is there were some things you learned along the way that made you look at how you analyze those deals. You got the mentorship that helped you analyze those deals. What are some of the key points that you're breaking down when you're analyzing that deal from the LP's point of view? From an LP point of view, so I actually say, I advise people not to look at the deal first. And, and I know that doesn't make any sense, right? But uh -huh. <laughs> I, I think that the first thing that you need to look at is, is the partner you're working with. 
right? Who, who, who are you talking to about this deal? And, and the reason behind that is a, a good operator can take an average deal and make it perform. But a bad operator can take a great deal and run it into the ground. You know, so we were so, talking about that before, and we were talking about how in 2008, things started to come apart, and a lot of people just froze like deers in the headlights because they, they'd never seen anything adverse in the real estate market because they just got in in 05. Now they're looking at this in 08, and they don't know what to do, but you got in in 09. Mm -hmm. 2009, you started buying real estate, so you had been working through the problems which is what you have to be. That's that good operator making it great because you see the problems and you're not looking necessarily at a bottom line number and following a spreadsheet and go, oh, this cell needs to change to this. So I'm going to change it on my computer. So it does that. You actually know how to solve the problem to make that happen. And that's, that's the secret sauce. Right. And I, I would say that's something that I pride myself on is being able to identify a problem and then uh, find a solution. Right. And so and and I've done that in several different businesses, not just real estate. But uh, if I find a problem, I, I'm pretty good at thinking outside the box and finding yeah. that solution. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think I retribute a lot of my success to that. And right. to your to your point. Right. No, I wasn't doing 100 unit multifamily in 2009 and 2010, but I was doing at multiple single families, some duplexes, some triplexes. And there's a lot of learnings there that correlate over. And so I've been tested. I've been through that fire and, and I've screwed up a few times, right? And so now uh, when we were in the, the, the last few years where everyone was shining, I was shining too, but I actually believe I was shining even more because I had all those other experiences, right? I found the opportunity. I saw the time to sell things that when I needed to sell them, exit some deals, that type, that type of thing. So yeah. And, and that's true. You know, when you, I mean, and you were in a difficult lending situation, right? There was not a lot of capital available. So you had to be creative with that. But, you know, so now you've underwritten the, 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 the general partner, you've underwritten the people that you're doing business with, and you understand that they have the experience and you understand that they know what they're doing and they've got the track record and you've seen their past deals and you've vetted them, right? What do you do next? What's your next step as a limited partner? Well, so you've got to you've got to make sure that you understand what your criteria are, right? What is it that you want out of a deal, right? Because there's a couple of different methodologies in these uh, these limited partnerships, these syndications. Are you looking for cash flow, right? Do you want X amount of cash flow every single month to live on? You know, maybe for that you're a little bit of an uh, into retirement or something, or this is your income stream. You're going right. to live on this, right? Whatever that is. Or are you looking for equity plays? You're okay with no cash flow, but you want that big pop at the end, right? So you need to know what your expectations are. So you can choose uh, which type of property you want, or maybe it's a combination of them. Personally, I like to put to, to mix up my portfolio, right? Yeah. So one deal I have will be a, a higher cash on cash return, uh, maybe in a cash flowing market. And then the next deal I have will be a high uh, appreciation return in more of an appreciation market. The next thing after that, when you start diving into the deal itself, which I do recommend that you do, right? There's a few things you need to look at. Uh, number one, uh, does it cash flow today? Right. Because, uh, you know, there's another saying that I've heard recently, you know, if it doesn't cash flow, let the grass grow. Yeah. 
Well, and, <laughs> and you know what? This market is proving that that phrase to be very, very true, right? Yeah. We've got deals that didn't cash flow 18 months ago. They've got bridge money that's coming up. They're smoked. There's nothing they can do about it. And now you're trying to pick up somebody else's mess yep. when maybe there's other opportunities out there. So that's that's really fantastic advice. Yeah, I, that's the first thing I would look at. The second thing I would ask about is the debt because you just alluded to bridge debt, right? Which basically for the listeners, for the limited partners, all they need to understand what that is, bridge debt is basically short-term debt. Right. You know, right. uh, anything that's under five years, I would consider short-term, right? So so when is the first debt payment change going to happen? You know, and, and really that could be a lot of things. That could be, it's a short-term loan. It could be, it's an interest only loan, which means they're not paying any principal on the loan. They're just paying the interest. And if that changes in 18 months, that uh, that means the payment's going to shoot up in 18 months, right. right? So so tell me about the debt. That would be what I would want to know. And what you're looking for in there is when are they going to change? Interest-only payments? Uh, the, do they have to refinance? That type of thing. Because if you're ever forced to sell a property, you're in a bad position, right? Well, you you want to sell when you want to, not when you have to. And, you know, here's the funny thing. I mean, we're going up at a fast at the fastest rate in 40 years of interest increasing just in January, you could have got 3% money. Yep. Now you're up over 4%. If you take that and go from now to next January, you, if that same thing happened, you could be at 10% on your money. If you're at 10% on your money and you don't, and you are going to have to take that out there, did you account for that, right? If you did, fantastic. But if you didn't think about refinancing out of this bridge debt at 10%, I would say you've got some problems, Houston. You know, yeah. you need to reevaluate that because if you're not taking that into, in, into your control, and this is the environment, like you said, you've got to be able to control the deal. You've yep. got to be able to make sure that all the variables are, are taken care of so that, hey, I got a deal that I got a five-year window on. I got five-year debt on. Yep. Now I know my exit is planned for five years. If I wind up in a situation that I get 6% money and replace my 8% debt in three years, great. My horizon just moved, right? right? But I have choices instead of being the guy that says, well, 18 months from now, we're going to refinance out of this 6% money into 6% money. Yeah, right. Good luck. Yeah. But you know what? We're seeing those deals come across our desks all the time. Yeah, we are. Right. And, and that's and, the inexperience that you're talking about being able to analyze prior rather than panelizing, panicizing, right? You're, you're in the middle of this thing. You're trying to get out of it because you didn't see that part of it, right? right. So key, such a key point there. Yeah. The, the, the next point I would talk about is, you know, how did you come up with your, uh, your performa, your projections, you know, I, and, and I'd be happy to go through all of them in detail, but just ask that question, right? How did you come up with that? You know, there's a few key points, things like uh, rent, rent assumptions or right. taxes, these right. things, right. these things that uh, are changing all the time and have changed dramatically over the last several years. But for example, um, 
rents rents have risen the most in the last two to three years and they've risen in the last 20 years on a percentage basis right uh is it possible that they're going to continue to rise at that rate probably not so so you need to ask how did you come up with these projections correct same thing with taxes did you account for the tax increases right and, and i actually have a checklist on my website you know we've talked about that beforehand where there's all of these questions that you well, should i was going to get to that so guys, if you want, and this is, as you guys can tell, Senate knows his stuff, right? I mean, he's really got this figured out. If you want to get to his checklist, send me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com. In the subject line, put Senate on there, Senate's checklist, and I'll send that to you. And you can have, he's got over 20 items on here that you're going to want to go through, but these are the top five. These are the top things that are going to get you if you if you, if you've got Senate agree with me here if you or, or disagree, but if you if you have a check mark on all five of those that they have gotten those five, then it's okay to keep going. If one of those five that we just talked about doesn't meet the mark, there's no sense in going on. Right. Because Agreed. If you don't have your debt analyzed, if you don't have you know if you're talking about eight percent, nine percent, ten percent rent increases. You know, I'd love to get those because they make me look like a genius. But at the same time, how can I expect that that 10% is going to increase? And what does that do to my deal if I get 3%? What does it do to my deal if I flatline? Right. right? So these are the things, guys, that experience will tell you. These are the things that will help you not get in trouble. Now, Senator, I'm going to ask you, did you ever get in trouble on debt? Oh yeah. Yeah. A couple of different times. Yeah. That's how, that's how you learned, huh? Did you guys see how his eyelashes fluttered for a minute? Cause he remembered that pain. <laughs> I've done the same thing, right? You didn't anticipate that. Well, I'm going to have this thing done in a year. I don't need, I don't need 24 month money. I don't want to pay the extra point for 24 month money. Now you're sitting here in an environment where you can't get another 12 months. That was my problem. I, I, I was looking at it short term. I didn't see it coming. This was back in, in 05, actually, and I, I couldn't get a renewal on it, you know, and it, it forced me to sell an asset I didn't want to sell. I made money, but barely, you know, all those things that you were saying, I'm completely resonating with because I saw how in my world, all of those things I've lived through, right? I mean, yeah. I got the scars to prove it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So. So if you're underwriting and you're analyzing and you're doing that and you get all the green lights and everything's checking out, what do you do next? You like the deal. You like the deal. You like the operator. You like everything about it. What do you think people should be doing if it's all green lights and everything looks wonderful to them? They, they just got the PPM. They've just got paper at this point. What's your next step, really? Well, <clears throat> Most people, most people don't actually do this, but I definitely think that it's important to actually read the PPM, right? Uh, read, read what it is that you're signing. And, and I know that that's a daunting document. You know, I, I've read, I've read hundreds of them at this point. Well, tens, tens, probably close to hundred. Anyway, uh, and I know that they're confusing and can be uh, daunting to read, but read it, ask questions. If something seems odd to you, ask the person about it. Right, because that would be the next thing that would maybe cause uh, a red flag if they don't know what it is they're having you sign. Right, there's probably a, there's probably a problem there, right? Well, and then you, you wind up with situations like, okay, uh, how does the principal get returned? Right, 
How yeah. does how do how does the cash on cash work? Are you getting paid back? Is that going to principal first, reducing that? I mean, those are important things that could that could lead to hundreds of thousands of dollars different in a deal, right? Yeah. Um, when you look at you know the 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 PPM and how it comes together and who's involved, right? Um, you know, all of those kinds of things, it really is important. And I agree, I think my attorney gets paid by the pound for these things, right? Uh, but th there are things that you have to understand. There are things that you need to know because, you know, I have one unhappy investor and he was really unhappy, but he didn't read the PPM, thought he was getting in a cash flow deal, got it in an appreciation deal, mm -hmm. right? And he looked at it, he said, the numbers look great. I did my due diligence on you. I'm good to go. Signed the PPM, called me up four months later going, where's my money? Yeah. Because he hadn't read the document, right? Yeah. yeah. So and definitely a lot of value in that. I, I do a lot of coaching as we talked about, and I've, and I've coached several limited partners through this process before they, they sign up for a deal. And this is probably the... I don't know if it's the biggest, but it's at least the second or third area uh, where a deal could fall apart. Yeah. You know, when I when I when I read through the deal and I say, so did you know, did you know this is a return of capital, not return on capital? Did you know that, you know, the promote changes from 70-30 to 50-50? Like, and I and I say, did you know these things? Which again, there's nothing wrong with any of these one or two things as long as it fits your model and you're okay right. with it. Yep. And so all I'm doing is asking, did you know X, Y, and Z? And if they say yes, great, you can have my blessing, right? But uh, so let's do let's do this real quick because you brought up a really key point. Yeah, return of capital versus return on capital, right? Now, first of all, explain the difference between the two, and then secondly, tell us what that will do to the returns. Yeah, so so this is an interesting thing that most people don't even understand. In fact, a lot of syndicators I've talked to didn't understand it. Yeah, yeah, and which so, is why I brought it up because I, I've 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 heard a lot of people, and you can really tell who a sophisticated LP is because this is usually one of the first questions they ask. Yeah, the sophisticated. You're right, the sophisticated ones for sure. So, uh, in a nutshell, if if it's a return uh, of capital, every dollar that you get back. Every, every time they send you a check, then it's going to lower the amount of money that you have invested. So let's make up a number. Uh, let's just say, let's use, let's use $100 for uh, easy math. Okay. So if you get, if you get a $10 check in the mail, that would, you'd think that's a 10% cash on cash return. Right. Okay. right. Well, okay. That makes sense. But in a return of capital deal, it's still actually a 0% return. And right, what it's right. doing is it's lowering the amount of money that you have invested. Right. And so now you only have $90, uh, $90 invested, not $100, right. which when you go put that into the underwriting spreadsheet, now you have a smaller cost basis, yep. which that now makes the uh, total return seem a lot higher. Right. So, so it, can, it can artificially inflate the returns of a deal. And, and I don't, and when I say artificially, I'm not trying to point fingers and say, you know, somebody's being devious about it. Uh, I don't think most of these people are even doing it on purpose. I just think that they maybe don't understand what they're doing. Right. Well, and so, so, you know, the thing is, if you're getting, you know, if you're, most deals have a pref, right? They've got a preferred return. 
So if I'm giving you a 7% preferred return on that $100, it means that every year I owe you seven bucks. But if every month I paid you $2, it means by the end of the year, I paid you back and my 7% pref has reduced down. So I may only owe you five and a half dollars of pref equity or pref payment on that return. Yeah. Which has helped my deal out one and a half percent to look better and juicier. And you're right. I would say that 50% of the people that have that in their in their OM or their PPM do not realize that that's what they're doing. And a lot of times I've seen where the underwriting doesn't match the 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 verbal documentation, right? Yeah. Because when the attorney looks at it, he looks at a spreadsheet, he does his stuff, right? He's not really looking at how did this calculate, right? And that's a little thing that when you get to be a sophisticated or a more sophisticated investor, you've seen a couple of these because you're going, wait a minute, that didn't quite add up. That didn't go the way I wanted it to. But it's that return of capital instead of the return on capital that then changes the matrix and changes how much you're paid out. And at the end of the day, that definitely affects returns, right? Absolutely. And, and again, I want to reiterate, it's not that it's a bad thing. If you understand and you have the deal set up properly, if, if the LP understands it, the GP understands it, it can be great. One, right. of the, one of the best deals I think I've ever seen was a return of capital deal. And the way it worked was the, the general partner didn't get any, any money until 100% of the capital was returned. Right. Then it went to 50-50. Right. And now and, I, I didn't nope. invest in this deal. It wasn't my deal. It's just, I read one of these PPMs for a potential investor and it, it was amazing. Yeah. I thought it was a great idea. Ken McElroy does that in his infinite uh, deals. So he, he, you get, he gets an asset management fee. All the money goes back to the investor until they're paid off. And, but this is based on, he wants to own stuff for 40 years, right? right. So if I get you all your money back and then we split profits from there 50-50, that makes a lot of sense, right? But yep. you've got to have, again, back to analyzing what kind of investor are you? Are you the guy that wants your money tied up in this deal forever? Your equity tied up in this deal forever? You made, you got your original principal back. That's fantastic. But you're in this deal for, they're, they're, we're never selling this thing, right? Yeah. So again, analyzing the deals, especially in the market right now, where it's not just falling off a truck to make this deal a 20% IRR, right? Yeah, you just, like you said, understand the deal. Make sure it fits your buy box. Yeah. So as people are, as you guys are looking at that, again, send me an email at connect at shannonrobnet.com. We'll get you connected just in the four line subject line there, put Senate, uh, investor checklist, and we will get you that checklist so that you can go through this and understand what is important to make sure that you're getting the right kind of thing. And as you guys can tell, Senate really knows his stuff uh, because he's been doing it. He's been coached by some of the best in the business. There's nobody out there can, can deny the fact that Jake and Gino have built a great business. They built a great system. They are good coaches uh, and they can really really help you grow your business and grow your mindset. So it, it, it you know, Senator, I want to thank you for showing up today. Is there anything you want to say in closing real quick before we sign off? Uh, you know, just happy to, happy to connect and help any way I can. I love helping people. So 
know, whatever I can do to help you, don't hesitate to ask. Awesome. You know, guys, that's really why I do this podcast. I don't, I don't need to spend my time talking to really awesome, interesting people. I can just call Senate because he's right down the road. But I do that because I agree with Senate 100%. Helping people get what they want out of life, like Jim Rohn says, will get you what you want out of life. And that is 100% of why I do what this podcast, why I do a lot of the things I do. And you can tell, guys, that that's why Senate does what he's doing. So I want to thank you for coming by. Thank you for tuning into the Real Estate Rundown. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown wherever you get your podcast. Leave a review. I'd like to hear from you, and I'd love your feedback. Also, I'd love you to send me a list of guests you'd like to see on the show. If you know somebody that you'd like to hear on the Real Estate Rundown, we'd love to see that. Once again, thanks for stopping by, Senate. Thanks, Shannon. See you later. That's a wrap for today's episode of the Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnett.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends, and subscribe. Until the next episode.